joint PSYCOP ontolog scheduled discussion session uh, begins officially now, and the session is being recorded. This is November 10th, year 2005, and we have today uh, with us Dr. Brand Neiman from EPA. Uh, Brand is also the chairman of uh, the Federal Semantic Operability Community of Practice. I'm having trouble logging in from this end to add the uh, the names we have that we have here in the room. Gary Bergcross, Michael Bellinger, Ron Schultz, uh, Han Quatch, and then you asked me to add Chris Richardson uh, at this location. Okay, maybe. Welcome all of you and thank you for participating. Uh, did we yes, Peter Brown has arrived or not? I guess not. So we will we will uh, rearrange the order. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Who just joined? Monica. Hi, Monica. Hi, Monica. Good morning. Uh, only thank all of you for participating in the preparation you have made, but also Peter, who has uh, coordinated uh, the the wiki page with that uh, preparation. Uh, if you scroll down, uh, you will see that uh, we have uh, an abstract uh, and a session format. We're asking uh, the seven or eight invited presenters to, uh, to take uh, 10, 15 minutes at most. We want to leave a little bit of time for questions after each of the presenters. And uh, then we will go to open discussion. We'd like to stay within the two hours so that what we discuss is captured in the recording. So we'll ask you to practice uh, succinctness. And uh, who just joined? This is Jane Stanford from MITRE. I'm new to this conference. Welcome, Jane. Thank you. Denise. Uh, Denise, welcome. Do we have Peter Brown on the phone? Uh, Denise. Hi, Peter. Bedford. Yes. Yeah. Hi, Denise. Welcome. Thanks. Okay. Uh, we've asked the presenters, and we've gotten almost all of them to fill out a profile of their community and their interests, and you can see those uh, as part of the supplemental material for this uh, this conference call. We'll encourage the rest of them to complete that, so you can all see the context to which the presenters and their communities are presenting from. I have just one slide, and I will open that now on my end. Uh, Peter, do you need to explain the, are you using the VPN for this? Yes, the, v, the VNC is, uh, yes. has a brand slide already. For those who have access to the VNC, uh, you can see the, the uh, synchronous advance of the slides. If not, and if you have access to the browser, all the presentations are already uh, uh, listed under the se uh, section called Moderator and Panelists Prepared Slides or Material. And what was, oh, what's the title of this one? Today, uh, the, the 
page that we should be getting to is the conference call 2005-11-10. Yeah. You're there? Yeah. And if you and go there, down... I'm in the directory with a list of PowerPoints. Oh, uh, if you go back to the session, session page, actually it's easier because some of the speakers only send a link and did not send a PowerPoint set. Uh, okay. What should we be seeing on the VNC right now? Uh, you should be seeing the moderator panel and panelist prepared slide section of the, of the wiki page. This is Jane. I'm seeing just a gray screen. Well, I'm, I'm seeing a list of, of people, basically, what's on the other... Yeah, I'm seeing a list of people as well. This is well, Steve. This is VNC2, SIM3 net, 5800. Right. Okay. okay. Looks like uh, we have a little bit of trouble there. Let's just go back to the wiki page for the time being. That makes it easier. Okay. Uh, I'm under the moderator and panelist prepared slides section. Right. Uh, people still with me. And we have Brand Neiman. So I have from Brand Neiman, there are two sort of slash pages, which are the uh, community profile. We might go back to those uh, when we have the discussion. Right across from there, uh, there's a link that says October was ontology month. If you click on that one, that opens up uh, Brent's slides. Okay, so I'll just go ahead. I just want to be very brief. I have one slide, and I've used it before. But for those who haven't seen it, we celebrated October as Ontology Month. And uh, really the purpose of this discussion today is to discuss how we collectively can make 2006 the year of the ontology and in the words of Barry Smith, uh, elevate ontology to a science and to high-quality applications for government, academia, and uh, the private sector. October was ontology month because we started out, and there are probably a lot more things that can be put on this, but the highlights that I'm aware of, we started out with the founding of the new ontology and taxonomy coordinating work group. Uh, they have progressed to where they have a draft work plan, which they will talk about today. Pat Cassie will discuss that. Dagobert is uh, on a Caribbean cruise, I believe, and has inputted right up until this morning, uh, but is not able to join us uh, the actual conference call. October 7th, we met with the NIH Informatic Solutions Forum. We talked about uh, an avian flu ontology and information system pilot that... Uh, that is progressing, and we'll hear more about that later on. We've also, uh, coming out of Encore, uh, uh, developed a, had a pilot proposal submitted from uh, Michael Bellinger's company called JARG, and uh, we'll be discussing that a little bit more. It will be presented at our December 6th monthly collaboration workshop at the National Science Foundation. We were asked to participate in the government government computer news conference uh, in which we had a special side session where we uh, started to look at the data reference model ontology that Eric Peterson has uh, developed. Eric is uh, developing ontologies now for the National Security Agency. Uh, we also uh, saw the work of uh, uh, visual knowledge uh, where they are 
building ontologies that are used by a community of about 2,000 scientists in an application called BioCAD with a tool called Visual Owl. Then we had the wonderful Encore inauguration of BioOntologies bio Workshop, out of which I highlighted some things, the, uh, the uh, making us aware of the problems in HL7. I mentioned this yesterday in, in one of our intergovernmental meetings uh, when we were discussing health information and, and Dr. Brailer's National Health Information Network and Electronic Health Record Initiative. We also then learned about the principles for building biomedical ontologies and that's been, that was presented by Barry and others in the workshop and the publication in Genome Biology. And then finally, I was the, uh, the winner of the uh, raffle for the book, and I've been able to put that book down since I, uh, since I got it. We've added, we invited the principal author, Ken McCloskey, who also works with Michael Bellinger, to present at our December 6th workshop. He talks about in the book uh, the Bayesian web as, as the next step beyond the semantic web or an augmentation of the uh, semantic web. I'd highly recommend that book to you. I think it's a model for how to deal with very complex data with ontologies and, uh, and uh, reasoning with uncertainty. So that's all I wanted to say other than, again, issue the challenge that we are starting to get a, a critical mass of people and funding uh, to elevate the work of ontology. And uh, I think it's a, we would all agree that it's important for us to stay in, in uh, frequent communication to take advantage of the, the opportunity and make the most of it and then to parlay that into even more. Uh, let me ask if Peter Brown is on, on the phone. He's in Austria. Something may have happened. He's done a wonderful set of slides uh, coming out of the European Union Semantic Interoperability Workshop. Hopefully he'll be able to join us. If not, I think I could try to walk you through his slides because we've had some discussions. Let's go next to Susie. I assume you're ready, Susie. Brand? Brand? Uh, yes? Excuse me. This is Kirk Conrad. Forgive me for interrupting. Uh, we've got somebody on the phone who's breathing heavy into their microphone. Okay, let me so ask. I'll do a microphone check. That would be helpful. Thank you. So what we'd like to do is everybody put their uh, their uh, speaker on mute, uh, and then if you have to hang, if you have to uh, put it on hold or pause to do something else, we ask that you hang up and dial in again because often then we get music playing in the background from that. So uh, our usual protocol is to put your thing on mute. And then if you have to uh, put it on hold, put us on hold, uh, hang up and call back in. I don't hear any noise now, so that seems to have taken care of that. Do you still hear it, Kurt? Brent. Yeah, I am, but I was on double mute. Yes, Peter? Brent, do we want to go around and have everyone introduce themselves briefly? Yes, thank you, Peter. Let's do that. I want to, why don't you, you start that, Peter, and then we'll go to those on the phone there. And we'll finish up here. Okay. I'll jump in here. My name is Adrian Walker. I'm uh, with a company called Reengineering, and we try to add uh, open vocabulary English to ontologies. Yes. Brent, did you say you were going to start from your room? No, I'll start, start with those on the phone, and then we'll end up here. 
Oh, all right, okay. Uh, this, then let's go down the, the list on the wiki page, uh, starting with Brand. Is that senior or junior? Uh, uh, senior, actually. Oh, we'll take him in general. Okay. I'm Brand Neiman with the Environmental Protection Agency and the chair of SICOP. Okay, I'm Peter Yem. Uh, I'm one of the co-conveners of the Ontolog Forum, along with Kurt Conrad and Leo Oberst. Uh, Barry, okay. you're next. Barry. Barry there? there? Sorry? Sorry? Barry I think when you, when you ask everybody to put their uh, phones on mute, they may be talking, but you can't hear them. Right. Okay, we can't hear you. <laughs> this is Jean Stanford from MITRE, and um, I have worked on the uh, ONC um, activities in Dr. Braylor's office, so I'm not doing that now, and I have also worked uh, on the federal health architecture. Um, could I ask a favor? When people use acronyms, for those of us who might be unfamiliar, could you actually... Oh, the ONC oh. Is, is the Dr. Braylor's uh, office of the national coordinator. Thanks. Well, I'll jump in. This is Denise Bedford from the World Bank. And this is Barry, 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 Barry Smith, Smith from the National Center for Ontological Research. Wow, big echo on that. <laughs> yeah, great effect. <laughs> the voice of God. <laughs> what? Philosophers tend to think. This is, oh, this is Chris Richardson from World Vista. Hi, it's Pat Cassidy from MITRE. Say again. Ryder and Lowell Wisner with the National Library of Medicine. This is Rex Brooks with uh, HumanMarkup.org Inc. and Starborn Communications Design. I also work on several technical committees in OASIS. This is Steve Ray from the National Institute of Standards and Technology, known as NIST, N-I-S-T, doing testing, semantic testing. Uh, Susie Lewis from National Center for Biomedical Oncology. David Witten from uh, World Vista slash VA. Monica Martin, Sun Microsystems. Uh, Monica, we're having a hard time hearing you. Monica Martin, Sun Microsystems. That's better, thank you. Sure, sorry I'm on a headset. This is Gary Berg for us at EMNI. I work for DOD's uh, Enterprise Architecture effort uh, uh, adding ontologies for semantic interoperability. Uh, expand that acronym, please, AMNI. EMNI, Engineering Management and Integration. Thank you. This, this, this is Ron Schultz, uh, Steve Martin, and I'm uh, also chairman of the Open Group's uh, UDEF forum. This is Hong Kwasha from Lucky Martin. This is Dave Lounsbury. I'm the uh, VP of Advanced Research at the Open Group. Uh, Michael Belanger, co-founder of Jared Corporation, representing Semantic Life Sciences here today. Dwayne Nicole Adobe Systems, Senior Standard Strategist. This is uh, David Katsumoto from Sun Microsystems. 
This is Walt Krzyzewski from NASA Goddard Space Flight Center. Kirk Conrad, independent consultant. Bob Smith, Tall Tree Labs, Health Information Systems. Brand Neiman Jr. Yes, yes Brand Neiman Jr., SAIC. Okay, that's about all I have on the list. Uh, is there anyone else on the phone that we did not catch? Uh, Webb Roberts, Georgia Tech Research Institute, working on them. For my curiosity, is Brand Neiman and Brand Neiman Jr. two different people? <laughs> yes, we are, father and son. Okay, I'd encourage Brand Neiman Jr. to put some description of himself on the wiki. It'd be cool. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, he does, but it's in a different wiki, I think. Yes, we are not only semantically related, but uh, biologically. biologically related. <laughs> All right, anyone else? Thank you again. Peter Brown, have you joined us? Something must have interfered with Peter Brown. His office was moving, and uh, he was sure he could participate this week. But we'll come back to him. Okay, I think we're ready for you, Susie. Yeah, and for for oh, okay. people who, whom we did not catch, uh, please feel free to, to add your name back onto the list or mail me your name, and I'm Peter Yim, so that I can add, add that back on. Okay. Yeah, I'm having a little trouble hearing you, Peter, here. Are you away from the phone? or No, uh, I'll try again. For those That's people better. we did not catch or I did not get their names onto the wiki page, uh, please add that back on or email me your name and affiliation and I can add that back onto the page. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a list here. Uh, Peter, Pat, this Pat, is the VNC working? I'm, I'm not, not having... No, VNC is not working. Let's just use the wiki page. Okay. Okay, so we're going to open Susie's slides. Okay, has, has everybody been able to reach them? Yeah, we have them open here. Okay, and I wanted to thank Peter for um, adding the graphics that didn't come through. Um, so basically I'd just like to tell you about um, the new Center for National Center for Biomedical Ontologies. This was recently funded as of October 1 of this year um, by the National Institute of Health. It is one of three national, central, national centers for biomedical computing that have been launched. There were four that were launched last year. This is all part of the NIH roadmap program where they're basically trying to build technologies that will work across all of the institutes. Um, our center um, for biomedical ontology is a collaboration with Mark Newson at Stanford, myself at Berkeley, uh, Chris Shute at the Mayo, who works on HL7, uh, Barry Smith at Buffalo, um, and Peggy Story at Victoria, who does um, visualization methods. And then there are driving biological projects. And it's our primary goal is making ontologies useful for medicine and research. Uh, and biological research as well. I think the second slide I've already gone through basically telling you who is doing what, but Mark's role at Stanford is for um, basically the techniques and methodologies that we're going to need. Um, my group at, at uh, Lawrence Berkeley Lab is 
where we are building the applications and actually applying the ontologies to real research data. Uh, the Mayo Clinic is where we get the, we're tying in from what is done in the model organisms to um, clinical, at least that's the objective. And Peggy, of course, is helping with um, visualization and Buffalo is best practices because we do want to the extent that these things can be used for inference and used to drive hypothesis-driven research, that's what we would like to, to accomplish. The, our current driving biological pro projects are held at Flybase, uh, run by Michael Ashburner in Cambridge, Cambridge University, and they're looking at, at capturing phenotypic data. Um, zebrafish at University of Oregon, Monty Westerfield, again, they're looking at capturing phenotypic data. And they're initially, these two biological projects are going to choose a set, an initial set of 100 genes that are oh, disease-related in humans and get the phenotypes in the model organisms and then, you know, from there be able to look at the underlying mechanisms, the primary causes. And Ida Sim at UCSF is doing a clinical trials for which we're also building ontology uh, for HIV mother-to-child transmission and drug studies that help um, preclude that. And our plan is to build an advanced slides. Could you tell us, please? Oh, okay. I'm on, I'm not sure what slide this is. It's a C, sorry about that. CBio plans to offer technologies. And um, I think this is pretty much stuff you ahead to the next slide. Um, you know, this is the motivation, which is basically the genome projects and have changed the nature of what's happening in biological research. The, the data is coming in at such a rate, it is inevitably going to be stored on a computer. And the only way it can be shared in the traditional way that drives research is by having a common understanding as um, exemplified you know, as realized in the ontology, and to do the research. Um, and we are trying to very much to reuse what's already going on out in the field of ontology and, and not reinvent the wheel. And we're very interested because the primary goal is interoperability. And here's just some examples of the current ICD-9. It's sort of, this is similar to the slides that Barry's shown exemplifying the problems um, and a much more robust approach with the foundational model of anatomy, which I'm sure Barry, Barry could tell you a great deal more about. Um, so at this point, um, I've skipped, let's just skip to the last slide so we can get to Barry and also time is short, and I know that we'd all like to ask questions. So it's basically, if you're looking at the very last slide, which is the three ovals. Yeah, that's sort of the, the general overall architecture. There is going to be the ontologies themselves, the classes um, that are being developed um, and held in a repository at Stanford. Um, we are also going to be applying those to research data and building the database that, that, that you can traverse and query, um, which will be the Open Biomedical Database, and then there will be a portal to this that will be hosted at Stanford as well. And it's these three prongs, which is basically building the ontologies in a robust way, 
collecting, actually applying it to real data, and then making both the data and the and the ontologies available. That are is the goal for our center. And so I think that wraps it up, and we can go on to Barry. Thank you, Susie. At this point, that's an excellent overview. Let's go on to Barry, and then we'll save the questions uh, till the end. Good. So. Um, what I'm going to say now is uh, uh, some personal remarks. So these are by no means official policy of the National Center for Ontological Research or of any other center. They are, however, indispensable things that everyone must do if we are going to achieve synergy. Um, so the first thing is that too many people think that ontologies are about meanings of words or about social artifacts of one kind or another or about ideas in people's heads. And what I want to uh, convince people of is that ontologies are about reality. Now, I'm particularly interested in the ways in which ontologies can support scientific research, for instance, in the areas of biology or medicine. But I, I am absolutely convinced that if ontology is going to advance towards interoperability, then we need to move away from the view that ontologies are about meanings or about ideas and accept that ontologies are about the types or kinds of things that we find around us in the world. What we need to do is to imitate science. When scientists disagree about something, they carry out an experiment. In other words, they examine reality. They compare what they see on the bench or in the test tube, and then they readjust their views. They don't try and get inside each other's heads. They don't try and get inside each other's texts. What they do is they look at reality. We need to try and find a way of doing the same thing within ontology. Now, slide number three illustrates the basis for this. Ontology is about types. These are the things which are described in science texts. Reality is made up of instances. Instances instantiate these types. If an instance instantiates a child type, for instance, frog, then it also instantiates all the higher types, for instance, animal or organism. Now, the next slide, step two, if we distinguish in this way between types and instances, types being represented in ontologies, instances being re represented, for instance, in lab notes, and we can get clearer about the relations which link together the types to form an ontology. This tells us what an ontology is. An ontology is a graph theoretic structure built out of nodes the nodes contain names or codes or terms in a, in a regimented language, or maybe they contain many names and codes and terms from many represented languages. But the important thing is that we have a graph theoretic structure. The nodes represent types in the world. So the ontology is like a scientific theory. It's a representation or map of types in the world. And these types have instances. Now, if we move on to slide five, there are types or classes, as they're sometimes called, and there are instances. Now, what most ontologists have hitherto not realized, and this has caused a great deal of confusion, is that this means that there are different kinds of relations. 
there are the properly ontological relations which link together the nodes of an ontology and thereby represent corresponding relations between types or classes in reality. Then we have relations between the instances and the types or classes. For instance, the relationship between this explosion and the type explosion. This instantiation relation links the real world to the ontology. And then finally, we have relations on the level of instances. For instance, the relationship between Mary's heart and Mary. And now the question is, how do we relate these three different kinds of relations together? In other words, how do we use reality to resolve disagreements when we're building ontologies? Barry? Yes. I noticed that you have three kinds of relationships. But yes. And it does appear that it's order, but the, the order of these things matters. Why did you not have class instance? Um, so I would put class instance relations in the second box alongside instance class relations. There is, in fact, only one relation in this second box which is going to get used a great deal, and that is the instance of relations. Actually, I, I guess I would like to have... a more um, extensive discussion of that because I think that's very constraining. Uh, I'm not constraining anybody. I, I'm making no. a descriptive fact that that will be the, the one which is most commonly used because it already is the one which is most commonly used. So there are, there are relations going in the opposite direction. For Bar instance, Barry, are you limiting your, your discussion to classification relationships because that is the primary relationship in a classification scheme? but not in other types of, of structures. Yes. So okay. The, uh, there are other kinds of relations, like, for instance, part of, which is on this slide. Part of is a relation which should be used in ontologies along with many other kinds of non-classificatory relations, right. like, for instance, causality or adjacency or location or any of these other relations. All of these other relations come in two forms. On the one hand, we have these relations as they link instances. So Mary is located in Oxford. Mary is surrounded by water and so on. These are relations between instances. If we're going to represent these kinds of relations in ontologies, then we have to understand what kind of relation on the level of types or classes corresponds to the relation between Mary's heart and Mary, or between Mary, Mary and Oxford. That is the thing which I'm, I'm hoping people finally will understand clearly as a result of my next uh, few remarks. So if we move on to the next slide, we also, I'm going to come back to the relations question in a minute, but in order to answer the relations question correctly, we need to recognize also that any good ontology needs a coherent upper-level taxonomy which distinguishes between at least continuance, like people or clothing or places, occurrence, which are things which occur, like events or processes or actions, and then between dependent entities, like qualities and functions and roles and attributes, and those things which they are qualities or functions or roles or attributes of, for instance, people or places or clothing or other independent entities. 
Again, there are some ontologies which um, uh, fail to recognize these distinctions. For instance, there are some ontologies which hold that everything in the universe is a process. Those ontologies I hold are not going to be able to do justice to, um, for instance, the area of biology where we're not only interested in processes but also in those things which undergo processes. And now if we refer, if we return once again to slide number five, we can address in this connection how we are to understand the relationship between part of at the top and part of at the bottom. What does it mean when we say mm, cell membrane part of cell? What this means is that every instance of cell membrane stands in an instance-level part-of relation to some cell. In other words, the relation part-of between types in an ontology is defined in terms of the relation part-of between instances in an ontology in an all-some way. All instances of cell membrane are part-of in the instance-level sense some instance of cell. This all-some works for all of the non-classificatory relations. It works for location, for instance. What does it mean to say that the mitochondrion is, is located in the cell? It means all instances of mitochondrion are located in some instance of cell. In this way, the relations between the types mitochondrion and cell are defined in terms of the relation between all the corresponding instances that we see when we look down a microscope. Uh, and now, the final slide. The fifth step is what I take it nearly everybody in this uh, panel is going to be addressing, namely, we need to coordinate. If, what, if one group is building ontologies about cells and someone else is building ontologies about tissues in the body, then those people need to work together. They're only going to work together if they have a common understanding of the relations which hold their ontologies together. If we all use the same relations and define them in the same way, then all the graphs that we produce in representing the types in reality that we're concerned with will automatically be linkable together. And that's the end. Thank you. Thank you very much. A quick question for Barry. Um, would uh, URIs be something that you would advocate uh, for, for that purpose? Good. So I think that there are very many um, positive features in the current efforts towards syntactic regimentation using namespaces and URIs. However, I think that there is one very important negative feature, and we still don't know how we're going to overcome this negative feature. And this is, turns on the fact that the very fact that we regiment what people enter into an ontology by using the technology of namespaces means that every ontology becomes isolated from every other ontology. Even if we use exactly the same terms in building ontologies, because my ontology will be in one namespace and your ontology will be in another namespace, our ontologies will thereby not be integrated together. This is the problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, but just to follow up quickly, uh, the, the idea behind URIs is that they're going to be shared, I guess, uh, at least in an evolutionary manner. Well, that's, uh, I agree with that. Who could be against okay. evolution? <laughs> <laughs> okay.
This is Dwayne from Adobe. I have a, another question. What you've presented in some ways suggests um, almost a requirement for a kind of qualification ontology or some sort of ontology that recognizes that thing A that occurs in ontology Q is similar if it occurs in this context to this thing over here in this other uh, ontology. But it seems like the ontologies that are being developed for specific areas of practice seem to make some global assumptions about the relationships based on the context in which those are being viewed. Um, would it be useful, in your opinion, to have work on sort of a uh, sort of an overlayer for ontologies that could use context declarations to declare when and when thing, when things may not be uh, valid as declared by the ontology? Yeah, so you're now actually rephrasing the earlier question about URI. So this is what the namespace idea is all about. Namespace Please stay on the line. Announcing context. Everything I say will be in the namespace gene ontology or in the namespace cell ontology. As I say, I value the, the syntactic regimentation that brings. As soon as you focus on context in that way, you are thereby diminishing the prospects of interoperability. Yep. So what I want people to do is to focus on the instances in reality. You and I know what a cell is. We can point to instances of cells, and we can see that cells have cell membranes. All of them do. We can also see that all cell membranes are part of cells. All of them are. That's a basis which we can share. What we need is to find many more such bases. We don't need to do it just with cells. We can do it with people, with places, with buildings. We can do it with practically anything in the domain of any ontology. We need always to go back to the instances and define our ontological terms in terms of the instances which instantiate the corresponding type. Uh-huh, but then, okay, so two, two comments on that. One is namespaces, and then I'm just going to use the classical W3C example yeah. here, are really nothing more than unique identifiers to say that everything qualified with this namespace belongs to this unique domain. There isn't actually a specification that any other semantics apply to it. You don't follow the URI and and it gives you miraculous information about exactly what it means. It just is the identifier. Um, yes. So the so on the, the issue of cells, and now, yeah, we can agree on a lot of aspects of it, but then because of two different contexts in which we look at cells, we may actually um, disagree on some aspects. Now, the cell itself, the real-world properties of it are just facts, but it's the way we view it. So if I'm looking at a cell and... I'm saying that you know it has this property about it, and you're looking at a different aspect of it. You may see it differently based on your context. An example of this, in say using the military again, you have a company which is made up of five guys. One guy dies. To the general who's coordinating strategy on the battlefield, it may no longer, in this context, be a company because it is short one member and thus ineffective as a unit. Whereas to the paymaster, it still represents a company because in his view, he has to make payments to all of the, the members of that company. Um, I have a feeling that the two of them could and must agree. So the, 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 and how would they agree? They would point to the individuals involved and they would say, look, we're dealing with this collection of people. You call it a company, I don't. There again, the res resolution of the disagreement is going to come about through looking at instances. 
But here, yeah. notice that you're working at instances at both levels, both at the level of individual human beings and at the level of collections. So probably we should hand over to the next speaker now. Okay, can I make one more quick comment, Peter? Sure. Okay, so on, on this subject, I, I find this absolutely, um, you know, great, like, the, as a concept, but... The, the thing that I thought may be useful, and I'd love to have a follow-up conversation on this, is if people think that there may be a way through use of an overlay of a context ontology to actually document where they would disagree. So they'd say, in this context, we both agree this is a company. In this context, we disagree because of these reasons. So anyhow, on to so the next let, let me Let me say one more thing. Um, Ontologists should always try and work out the low-hanging fruit first. We should take the simple cases first. If you're, you've just picked out an incredibly difficult problem, the problem of context. If you start off by breaking your back to solve that problem first, you probably will never make progress on the easy cases. So I recommend that people look at the easy cases and get those straight. Do, by easy cases, though, I'm understanding that you mean simply defining entities in the ontology. And actually, um, I'm not sure how much help that is to us. I think it's more um, that the real value is when we begin to develop the definitions of the relationships between entities because then we have the flexibility and then the context become, the contextual problem becomes a lot easier. So I think that I was trying to suggest how best to define relations. So I think we agree. Well, if we all use the same relations and the same definitions of relations, the problem of interoperability will become much more easily solved. Thank you for that excellent discussion. Let's go on now. Let me check. Is uh, Peter Brown on the phone? Not yet. Okay. Peter, There's actually yeah. an email sent that says he's unable to get in because his phone won't dial outside of Austria. Oh, uh, yeah. Fortunate. Uh, and he suggests somebody go through his slides and discuss it. I think he I guess, Peter. But I guess we didn't think of that because he participated in an earlier ontolog forum on the phone, as I recall. Yeah, and as, as we said, he moved to a new office, right? Yeah, he moved to a new office, so that's a... Unforeseen problem. Um, In this context, he doesn't have a phone. <laughs> Thank you, Dwayne, for that astute observation. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> for which we have a real-world incident that we can understand it with. Um, okay, uh, Peter. Any Peter Yim? Any suggestions on this? Can is there any way? I mean, uh, I could call him on my cell phone, but. I wonder if there's, or there's an 800 number he can, well, we've got one, that's right. Um, he can't even call an 800 number, I guess. Yeah, in Austria, it's hard to call any uh, 800 numbers from the U.S. Okay. Well, uh, why, don't I, why don't I open up his slides and, and uh, make a couple of points. So let's open up Peter Brown's slides because I think uh, in terms of the flow here, we want to, uh, I'm clicking on, oh, that's right, it goes to his web page for me. Right. Let's see. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, I want to I touch on a few of his points then because uh, of the way we arrange the flow here. So I'm opening up Peter's slide, Peter Brown's slides, the EU policy work on semantic interoperability. 
and uh, and uh, he has been the chair of the e-government focus group. He's now on loan uh, to the Australian Federal Chancellery, and uh, these are his personal views and contributions. Uh, Excuse me, this is Walt Kraskowski. I can't seem to find his slides. His are the first in the order of today. Okay, thank you. Okay, you're welcome. Any other problems? All right, I'm going to advance to uh, the um, sort of near the end. Well, actually, uh, under initial work, identify e-government service commonalities. They are talking about an upper ontology. They are talking about a reference model. And later on in the slide, I think he makes a point that after the SOA, the SOA reference model is done, he would like to see an e-government one done, and maybe Duane would have some comments on that. Uh, part of what they're doing also is inventorying what they call semantic interoperability assets, and they define those quite broadly all the way from dictionaries to ontologies. And if you look at the supplemental or background information I put together for this, you'll see links to, to that, to those thoughts coming out of their end of September semantic interoperability workshop in, uh, I believe it was the Netherlands. Uh, next slide of interest, particularly is the last bullet under pure ontology work. Uh, he said in German, that's a good question, whether they will do any pure ontology work. Um, outreach, he's talking about uh, cooperating with the Ontolog Forum, PSYCOP, but questioning whether it's realistic, useful, or effective. We, of course, I think when Peter, Yim, and I would argue that it, it would be in this. That's why we invited him in the first place. Uh, I guess I'm on the last slide, and I didn't see one. Oh, there it is, under consortia. He talks about uh, working with OASIS, possibly, and seeing if after they're doing a SOA reference model, they would do an e-government reference model. Uh, Duane, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, the I mean, the reference model for service-oriented architecture is something that you, you might think of it almost as a, uh, a similar relationship to ontology that something like Dolce or Sumo have, which is a kind of definition of first-order logic for the concepts and the relationships between them. So the eGov reference model could be a specific model of how that is applied in a government context. And I hate to use the C word so much. Um, we are also looking at the idea of, you know, from that high-level reference model, perhaps making reference architectures, which might be more applicable. So rather than an e-government reference model uh, or in coordination with an e-government reference model, there may be the definition of an e-government reference architecture. Very good. Actually, that reminds me of something connecting the dots. Dwayne, if you send me an email to remind me, I want to send you... Uh, the Federal Enterprise Architecture has a new white paper out on on uh, what they're calling service component-based architecture. We think they ought to call it just simply SOA rather than confuse people with another name, but it essentially is SOA for the Federal Enterprise Architecture. You send me an email reminding me, please, I want to send that to you to, to review that and anybody else that's interested in that. Uh, 
Okay, let's let's leave that. And uh, as I said, call your attention to there's a link somewhere that says background materials, and under those background materials, I put some other other things that we're interested in finding out about. Namely, there is some European Union work on content ontologies. Mills Davis provided us with these links. You'll see it about uh, two-thirds of the way down the page. Uh, and as I said, we're also very interested in how they're going to put together their semantic interoperability assets into a repository. And they talk about producing a, an ontology uh, of life and business events and then publishing that ontology on a clearinghouse server. So we're still wanting to get more clarification on uh, what they're doing and if there are some collaborate, collaboration opportunities available for us there. Let's go on with you, Peter Yim. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, okay, I, I'm now going to the second slide. Uh, for those of you who are already Ontolog members, uh, this is uh, it's something that, that we've been going through. But I notice we have a few uh, newcomers here, so I will take a minute on this. Uh, Ontolog was established in April 2002 uh, with three co-conveners, uh, Leo Oberst, Kurt Conrad, and myself, and it is being hosted on the CIM3 uh, collaborative work environment infrastructure. Um, and there's a charter which you can also find in the uh, wiki homepage. Uh, essentially, this is an open international uh, virtual community of practice uh, where people discuss practical and strategic, uh, uh, practical issues and strategies associated with developing both formal and informal ontologies. Uh, we try to identify uh, approaches and provide them as input to uh, particularly UBL, the Universal Business Language uh, Technical Committee, where we spun off from, as well as now to the broader domain of e-business standards efforts, and hopefully others uh, standardization efforts like our input into the National Health Information Network. We also try to strive to advance the field of ontological engineering and semantic technologies uh, by way of helping move uh, these um, methodologies into mainstream applications and into their adoption into the standards. Uh, our activities include weekly conference calls, uh, monthly virtual invited speaker events, scheduled discussions like what we are doing now, uh, specific projects uh, where we have a subset of our membership sort of uh, uh, get together and do something, either like do a, a pilot ontology or write up a, 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 a position paper and, and and bring it to the attention of, of the parties we like to uh, to to talk to, and then uh, lastly, we reside on a virtual collaborative work environment, as I mentioned before, uh, which essentially is used as a dynamic knowledge repository. So through this uh, dynamic knowledge repository, we are trying to sort of collect the community's. Uh, knowledge to serve the in, 
uh, the industry at large, and we welcome everyone to participate. Uh, in terms of community of practice, uh, I generally take it sort of uh, in term, uh, in John C. Lee Brown's original definition. So what is a COT? Uh, essentially, it's a small group of people who have worked together over a period of time. It's not a team. It's not a task force. And it uh, doesn't necessarily have authority or ident even identified as a group. They are peers in the execution of real work. Uh, and what holds them together is a common sense of purpose and a real need to know what each other knows. And uh, we try to stick to this definition and conduct our, our business that way. So uh, a few of the key words is, I mean, uh, we're not even a team. As I mentioned, we do projects, and we do have uh, project teams eventually uh, when we try to set up sort of temporary hierarchies to execute those. But as a, as a community, so it's sort of like a pool of resources, uh, we try to get to get to know each other. Uh, John C. Lee Brown describes it as the water fountain uh, where the Xerox repair people uh, just gather around and chat. So my next slide actually is a test. I don't know if, if I'm moving on to slide number four now. Uh, I recognize a few characters, and I guess the, the, the character probably most uh, obvious to everyone is probably Mo Sislak. Uh, I challenge other people to tell me who the other people are on, on that picture. Uh, essentially, uh, that sort of describes what ontolog is meant to be. It, it's like John McCarthy chatting with Doug Engelbart at a bar and then coming up with a joint virtual project and they team up and form sort of temporary, temporary hierarchies in, for, in terms of a fishnet organization. Uh, Peter, this is Leo. I just joined. Oh, hi, Leo. Hi. We are on slide number four. Okay. So, uh, moving on to slide number five, uh, what are our key differentiations? I think uh, the most uh, interesting one is that activities are community-driven, since we are not sort of, we don't uh, are not responsible to any particular authority. Uh, we are neutral, we are open, uh, and we don't have sort of any specific institutional structure, except for maybe explic explicitly our charter and our intellectual property rights policy, and maybe implicitly our own professional integrity. Uh, I mentioned at the bottom that we are adamant about collaboration, sharing, and open knowledge, and we're trying to spur organic and emergent behavior in, this, in the community as well as uh, community project teams. Next slide. Uh, this is what I learned back in my real CIM days. I mean, not CIM3, but I, mean, I actually came from manufacturing. That's why uh, I, I share a lot of language with, with Steve Ray. And uh, when I was working on manufacturing systems, I mean, they, they did some very basic conclusion is what really matters. I mean, after one can meet with uh, the needs or meets with requirement is cost, quality, and responsiveness. And 
maybe I, I would sort of uh, talk about how we stand, uh, how Ontolog stands with respect to these few, uh, these three factors. Uh, as far as cost is concerned, there's practically no out-of-pocket cost to participate. Uh, of course, I mean, there are uh, tacit costs because we expect people to contribute. Uh, uh, in terms of quality, we have been really been blessed with membership that includes some of the most respected names in the space, and we have nothing else to answer to except our professional integrity, and so far we've done extremely well. Over the last three and a half years, we've earned the trust and respect of uh, a lot of fellow practitioners. And in terms of respons uh, responsiveness or agility, I think the fact that we are a virtual uh, virtual community residing on a collaborative workspace uh, with passionate, active members, uh, we can really turn on a dime. And that takes us to the next slide uh, as to what we can bring to the table. First of all, uh, with a, an open, collaborative attitude, I believe we can and will gladly work with other communities that are sharing similar attitudes and goals. Uh, our we have an established infrastructure. Our established infrastructure and community membership uh, offers some sort of uh, given that we can bring to the table. In terms of agility, uh, for example, we can put together a fairly substantial virtual event like today's event in, in short order. I believe Brand brought this up about maybe two weeks ago or maybe two and a half weeks and uh, it's still a lot of work, but I mean, it's doable. Uh, if we compare this to, let's say, a, a conference whereby people might have to take at least half a year, if not nine months, uh, where people have to travel and spend at least maybe a full day, if not two or three days, uh, unlike, I mean, what everybody spends here, maybe a couple of hours, uh, we, we, I believe we are truly agile, and uh, we help evangelize ontological work and educate the industry. Uh, we provide explicit input to e-government and standards bodies like OASIS, UNCFACT, uh, SICOP, D, uh, DRM, and so on, and uh, implicitly we share expertise with each other uh, because we are capturing all that knowledge in the CIM3.net infrastructure. Going on to the next slide, uh, one can see that besides ourselves, I mean, there are other sort of fairly similar uh, communities that are on the same structure, uh, in, in same infrastructure, like Woods, uh, Doug Engelbart's Bootstrap, uh, 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 the Stanford Medical Informatics Protégé, uh, eGovernment, Colab, and data reference model, project work, and public forum, uh, the uh, American Council for UN University Millennium Project, uh, digital arts ontology. Uh, we are also hosting on that same infrastructure uh, Zoom, an instance of Sumo and an instance of uh, the multi-user uh, protege server, which we are going to sort of uh, blow up out into a collaborative ontology development uh, service. So all in all, uh, one can see, I mean, if you look at the first the, 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 uh, portal page 
for Ontolog at the bottom. I mean, a few of you may already have noticed it. I mean, there's a search box. I mean, it's a Google search. I mean, not very uh, exciting. I mean, because it's already taken for granted almost. But if you look carefully, actually, you can. There's a radio button where you can select to search. Let's say stuff that is on Ontolog's repository. Or you can search across CIM3.net infrastructure, and of course you can search across the entire uh, World Wide Web. And, and uh, the same application is, is available on the other uh, communities as well, and, and that's providing some utility. That's about it. Thank you, Peter. Uh, before I forget, actually I'm trying to add the additional names, and I still get invalid uh, password here. Uh, before I forget, I'm going to make a suggestion to your community of a, of a potential task. Uh, yesterday I was in a, yet another intergovernmental meeting and panel on interoperability in the health information area, and uh, uh, Dr. Braver's program, uh, the four contracts that are being awarded were talked about, especially the one to ANSI to work on the interoperability standards reconciliation problem. And I, I expressed some skepticism as to whether ANSI would be able to deal with the, the semantic part of the interoperability problem, because uh, they're not known for really doing uh, like too much work in that area yet. So that might be an area in which Ontolog might want to look into, is how they could uh, find out what ANSI plans to do for the National Health Information Network and how other communities that have expertise in ontology could could help them with that. Actually, Bryn, this is Denise. If I could suggest that ANSI has just released the um, significantly revised version of Z39.19, which is an ANSI NISO standard, uh -huh. and that is the basically the world reference guide or reference model for semantics. Okay. And it, in it includes all of the types of relationships that the health sciences already use. So it's already instantiated in their standard. And that standard, if we wanted to build on it, we should we should start with that one. Uh, was, that the, was that the standard that used to be the one for, uh, for monolingual thesaurus? Um, it was, but um, we have been um, trying to encourage ANSI for about the last 10 years to expand that, yeah. um, and they did. And what, um, is, the, what is the standard number again, please? The standard is ANSI NISO Z39.19. And this time around, they finally included um, all of those uh, types of relationships that are used in the health sciences. In fact, they used um, uh, National Institutes of Health um, Already you were to where one can get that particular version. The versions I've yep. seen have not had any of that. It's on the website. Yeah, Denise, would, would did you be kind enough to make a post and sort of give us sure. a few yes, pointers? Sure. That would be wonderful. Yeah, well, we I'm had glad a I raised that point, and Denise, I really appreciate oh. your updating us on that. No That's problem. Encouraging and that's we had a we had a whole discussion on it in Taxonomy Tuesday before it was at, uh, when it was out for public comment. And who led the discussion on that? You or? Um, um, let's see, National Academy of Sciences and the World Bank. Yep. Oh, and when was that? Uh, this must have been last spring sometime. Oh, okay. It's been out for a while. Great. Well, thanks for bringing that to our attention. 
I might have to retract my comment then. It still needs work. Okay. So. All right. Well, we appreciate your posting and, and, and helping us with uh, contacts that uh, are intimately familiar with that new uh, standard. Okay. Uh, Pat, are you ready? I'm ready. Great. Go ahead, please. All right. Okay, by the way, uh, the, the, the VNC server is working for those who, who uh, are not behind firewalls. Okay, um, this slide one, uh, I just wanted to, well, I'm Patrick Cassidy. The slides that I'll be presenting today, there's only a few of them, were actually prepared by Dagobert Sorgel from the University of Maryland, and he's been very active with the Ontology Taxonomy Coordinating Working Group in, in helping um, uh, organize our um, immediate activities and preparing uh, information concerning what we're doing, including these slides. Uh, the... Um, ONTAC, the Ontology Taxonomy Coordinating Working Group, as its name indicates, is, was uh, organized in order to help coordinate the building and use uh, of knowledge classification systems, which includes ontologies, taxonomies, thesauri, and other types of knowledge representations, such as graphical systems. A slide two, Peter. Okay, the, um, we're organized as a working group of the Semantic Interoperability Community of Practice, which Brian told you about. And uh, we are focusing in, in the near term on uh, knowledge classifications within the federal government, but it is open to participation by anyone, and we hope to learn from and coordinate with uh, people building knowledge classifications anywhere in the world, including in Europe, but I'm disappointed that Peter Byrne wasn't here today. Because I did want to make sure that he keeps uh, contact with our group. The uh, One of the mechanisms we want to use to help create relationships between different knowledge classifications is to create what we call a common semantic model, which would be in the form of an ontology of high-level concepts, um, things, ontologies or high-level concepts have been called things like upper ontology or interlingua or high-level ontology. They're pretty much the same thing. And in the case of the ONTAC, we visualize the use of this as a way of defining terms in domain knowledge classifications so that if you use the set of terms concepts and relations in some upper ontology and use those to create the concepts that you intend by the terms you use in your domain classification. This provides a mechanism for accurate translation of one domain's set of knowledge to that of another. Uh, slide three. Uh, there are several things we're trying to do, concrete activities, in order to help implement this vision. Um, one thing is to, uh, to maintain a registry of ontologies and other knowledge classifications. Uh, we don't intend to maintain a registry ourselves. We want to take advantage of other registries. I think there is one that is going to be used by the NCOR. Yes. And um, the, um, the XMDR group is also talking about building a... Um, uh, a model registry. Um, there's no reason why knowledge classifications cannot be registered in more than one registry, and 
we will want to, uh, to the extent that we have time to do that, try to uh, register any of the ontologies and knowledge classifications we're using with any registry that seems reasonable. Um, uh, in addition, uh, we also want to do substantive work on ontologies. And um, the most immediate project that we're discussing is to try to uh, experiment with methods to relate existing upper ontologies to each other. Uh, one technique is to take the uh, UMLS semantic network, which has about 130, 150 concepts and 52 semantic relations, and to try to rationalize that is to reorganize the hierarchy and uh, define the semantic relations with logical axioms uh, so that this would conform to uh, the logically precise expectations of a well-structured well, well ontology. Now, we're fortunate in that, um, as it turns out, Olivier Bodenreiter and his uh, associate, the Lowell Wiesner, of the uh, National Library of Medicine had already planned on doing a um, formalization of the UMLS. And uh, their in uh, intention, I believe, was to do it with respect to the Dolce ontology and the BFO, which are close. Um, and, and therefore, uh, as part of the ONTAC work, we uh, are looking for people who can do comparable work and to map the UMLS to other upper ontologies, such as the SUMO or the Open Psych, and perhaps others, um, as MISO 15295-296, which, which also may, may be used for this purpose. If we can get this kind of work done, then we can observe the way these map to each other, both the semantic relations and the conceptual structures, and determine something we don't know now, is just how close existing upper ontologies really are to each other and whether, in fact, they're logically incompatible or just different ways of looking at things that are logically compatible and can be translated into each other. That's one part. Another part is we want to do similar work for the um, FIRMO, the Federal Enterprise Ontology Architecture Reference Model Ontology, and its component data reference model. And in addition, there's already been work to map from military taxonomies to a Dodge core taxonomy, which has a similar purpose, only they're using the somewhat less formalized taxonomies rather than ontologies to try to achieve some level of relationships among multiple taxonomies. So I'd like to map, uh, to map also the God. Dodd core taxonomy. And if we can do mappings in those three disparate uh, fields, the medicine, military, and the federal um, enterprise architecture, uh, this should provide, even though the individual components are relatively restricted, nevertheless should comprise a very broad view of how one might go about taking domain ontologies, relating them to multiple upper ontologies, and determining how, whether there is any way that one can deduce from this an upper ontology uh, that would serve a common semantic model that would serve to help interrelate all of the different endeavors that people tend to get themselves into. Uh, in addition to that, there's one other thing. We're actually maintaining a website where um, we are trying to 
key pointers to resources, and if resources are not available elsewhere, to maintain the resources themselves. And in particular, we're concerned with work that's underway, that if anybody is doing any work right now, building knowledge classifications, particularly ontologies, uh, we would like to have references to that on the website so that multiple uh, independent efforts will be aware of each other. The problem with the classical uh, scientific literature is that you tend not to know what somebody else is doing until after it's done and published. And then a lot of uh, things are moving so fast that we're seeing a lot of duplication of effort and we'd like to avoid that by making sure that people who are doing work in progress now know what other people are doing with respect to the knowledge classification. Uh, PS slide four. Um, now, uh, recently we had the uh, beginning, the initiation meeting of the National Center for Ontological Research, the NCOR. And although the Ontology Taxonomy Coordinating Working Group were, had begun forming before NCOR was announced, uh, we do have a great deal of overlap in our interests and, and what we want to accomplish, but there are differences. And uh, NCOR is concerned, as I understand it, uh, with the promulgation, the development and promulgation of sound ontological practice and the dissemination of views and, and the promulgation of views on how to do that correctly. Whereas with the, uh, the ONTAC, we're concerned with what we can do immediately um, and to try to develop information on how to coordinate uh, knowledge classifications, which may be less formal than, than the most highly formalized ontologies. We want to be sure to try to develop a way that even the um, uh, informal taxonomies and thesauri can be related to other work that has been more formally defined. And uh, as far as the registries we're looking at, uh, this will not just, we're talking about registries not merely as a, uh, a list of things that are available and with some metadata, but with when you're talking about knowledge classifications, it's important to be able to relate knowledge classifications to each other. And uh, the thing that's most concerned to me is that if you have a high-level ontology which has been used to define the terms in some other knowledge classification, the domain ontology or even a taxonomy, the registry should be able to specify that particular ontologies in this registry use a particular on other ontology as their defining vocabulary. Of course, you can look at an all ontology, you can see references. It doesn't tell you exactly what these references mean. You can use friend of a friend in your all ontology and, and what you mean by what they, what, what, what they say may be quite different and there's no way of knowing, besides FOAF isn't formally defined anyway, so it's not enough. Within the registry, you want to be sure you can specify how knowledge classifications relate to each other. And this can go down to the individual concept level. Uh, we haven't talked about precisely how to do this, and it's going to be quite complicated, but the point is that it can be useful that if you know, if you have two different ontologies, uh, and, and you know that the intended meaning of one particular term is the same as that in another ontology. This is good information to have. And so we're going to make recommendations to those who are building knowledge classification, uh, knowledge registries, registries for ontologies. Make recommendations as to what we think would be 
useful information, metadata to have within those registries. Okay, and Pat, I'm going to have to do a little time management here and ask you to wrap up in another minute or so, please. Yep, and uh, pretty much said what we're doing. And uh, slide five, we're going to try to collect data and uh, meet to discuss what we, what we can do. And slide six, um, I mentioned that we'll be uh, looking at the UMLS semantic network first, the uh, FEA reference model ontology and DRM next, and the Dodd core taxonomy, and compare the upper levels. I went out of order on that. And then slide seven, uh, after that we'll be looking at other domains that also, and I wanted to map uh, any domain knowledge classifications to the upper models that we may develop. And we'll have we'll need to, to determine methods for doing this. And we also uh, will try to uh, help people, uh, members who are trying to get funding for this type of work. And that's at the end, slide seven. I'll, I'll cut off at this point. Thank you very much, Pat. And Pat has offered to coordinate uh, the, the grant applications due in December, middle of December, I believe. Um, uh, and there's a link to that. I want to commend, want to commend uh, Pat for initiating the uh, ONTAC group and for Dogobert stepping forward and helping us with the work plan and Olivier and others uh, who are trying to coordinate this across uh, NIH and NCORE activities. Uh, I appreciate the way they've taken hold of this and moved it forward. Mark, are you on the phone? Mark Wine? Well, um, Mark is not able to join us. Actually, I can fill in a little bit for him. He, uh, somebody's dog is barking in the background. Could you put it on mute, please? <laughs> uh, Mark uh, is moving forward very uh, aggressively on the high top, the health information technology ontology pilot. He and I were in a meeting that I mentioned already. Uh, we had the first organizational call uh, a month or so ago. We've identified about a half a dozen people across the government. We've initially started with just government people who are funding or want to fund ontologies in the health information technology area. Uh, and uh, they include people like Michael Fitzmaurice and, and uh, and others. Uh, he will have a set of minutes from that first organizational meeting uh, to distribute. And we're, I think he's already scheduled the, the next conference call to start developing a coordinated work plan so we can begin to say, A, we have identified this amount of resources across the government going into ontologies. B, we have a plan for coordinating that with not only within the government, but across this broader now public-private academic uh, partnership that we have with NCORE and others. So that's certainly the direction we want to see that go in. And uh, we're building from a core of strength, in other words, the, the, uh, where we already have funding for, for health ontologies, trying to build that out with excellence and then uh, use it as a model to get ontology work <coughs> going in other domains of the government. And that will lead us uh, to Steve Ray, who's uh, been a pioneer in supporting ontology work as it applies to the manufacturing sector at NIST. Steve, are you ready? 
Uh, yes, I'm ready. Um, I'll Take make it away. Okay. Um, I I have a few more slides, but I'm going to just zip through those really quickly. Hopefully, you all have them up. Um, I just wanted to sort of, uh, as a segue to the fact that our roots are in the manufacturing sector, but um, what we're all about is uh, interoperability, both in the manufacturing sector, but increasingly also getting involved in both interoperability in the government and interoperability even in the in the health uh, informatics side of things. So. Um, the first few slides, you can see some of the barriers that uh, um, we identify in the manufacturing sector. One is the fact that there's global commerce going on, so there are certainly a whole uh, slate of technical barriers to interoperability. I just throw this uh, stack of um, different kinds of standards that certainly manufacturers around the world have to be able to speak standards like those, depending on their sector. And that's a particular challenge for small manufacturers. Uh, slide number three uh, also points out the fact that interoperability is a challenge from a regional perspective in that uh, different parts of the world often uh, have embarked upon uh, different standardization activities to get terminology straight. Um, and uh, those regional barriers uh, become more and more acute these days as people are doing uh, commerce uh, in a more distributed fashion, you know, outsourcing or whatever, depending on different uh, suppliers and distributors. We are becoming much more interdependent as time goes on so that any differences, whether they are uh, purely uh, serendipitous or uh, intentional, uh, become real problems. And then slide number four uh, adds a third dimension to that, which is that a number of different uh, industry sectors, not just manufacturing, but also, for example, healthcare in there, um, have you know varying degrees of well-developed terminologies and standards for communication. Uh, and that itself is becoming quite a challenge because of the vested uh, the, the sunk costs, if you like, in legacy systems that each of these sectors have already invested in make it that much more difficult for the different sectors to uh, change so that they can do business with other sectors. Um, the chemical industry sector, for example, came to us a while back because they are doing increasingly amount of work with the automotive sector, but both the chemical industry and the automotive sectors have uh, quite well developed uh, in this case, XML markup suites for a lot of their systems. So um, the, uh, mapping is in order, if you like. Uh, you can't get everyone to whistle to the same tune. And we believe that you know um, finding ways to map between them is the way to go. Now, um, let me jump to the, uh, I'm, I'm raising all kinds of issues, which I realize I'm not answering right away. Um, slide number five, the three-legged stool slide there, um, basically tries to identify the role we think we play in um, the deployment and use of effective standards. Uh, many people think, you know, developing a standard in the standards body, you know, pretty much does the job. And of course, that's really just the first step. Um, you've also got to ensure the quality of that standard. And you've got to make sure it gets out there and gets used rather than just sitting on the shelf. Uh, NIST plays a role in all of those legs, although I would submit we feel we need to play more of a 
supporting role in the development and the piloting side, but uh, more of a lead role in the testing side. We are, after all, a testing laboratory, a metrology institute, as every country has one of. Uh, we test and measure things like kilos and meters and seconds and all, uh, the physical SI units. But in the documentary standard side of things, that really translates into uh, conformance testing of standards or validation testing or in even interoperability testing, which are really the three principal kinds you see on slide number six. Uh, but just by way of definition, validation testing is testing the standard itself, uh, the integrity of that standard, whether it's a schema or an ontology or a protocol. Conformance testing is what most people think of as testing, whether a particular application conforms to a standard or not. And interoperability testing is getting two systems to communicate, communicate effectively with each other. All of this is really preamble to the fact that, um, uh, let me even, let me see here. Well, okay. There's a slide, slide seven is just an example of one of the testing tools we put out there on the web for essentially validation testing, testing the quality of a schema itself. Uh, slide eight shows uh, the way we are organizing ourselves within NIST, where we are um, providing a number of testing services across multiple laboratories here at NIST on top of a common infrastructure, which is uh, taking advantage of semantic technology. And that's really, I guess, the main message I want to say, which is also on slide nine, as um, different technologies come into being, if you like, or come into vogue, um, certainly there's improvement in the rigor and the precision by which one can uh, capture what I would still submit uh, 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 is, is a, a nature, a certain amount of meaning of concepts, uh, despite Barry's opening remarks um, in his talk. but. Um, uh, getting us away from what traditional standards, documentary standards are, which is essentially natural language text, and even through more structured standards, be they information models or XML markup uh, suites or XML schemas, um, the increasing precision we can achieve with semantic uh, standards, I uh, would submit, you know, as, as I think I'm preaching to the choir here, but an improvement on on stamping out the ambiguities that are inherent in, in more flexible but more sort of sloppy ways of describing information. I also would take this opportunity to comment on, on all the rest of Barry's presentation, which I entirely agree with in terms of clarifying the distinction between classes and instances and all, and in fact some of the more, if you like, hardcore approaches to ontologies such as first order logic make that, I think, even clearer. Uh, folks around here like to say trans, uh, semantically transparent, you know, where you have explicit quantification of terms and, and assertions uh, makes it, uh, you can be quite clear about whether you're talking about um, quantification over instances or classes. So while first order logic is kind of um, too hardcore for many communities, I think, to, to stomach, um, ultimately we feel that, you know, if you think of it as the mathematics of, of uh, semantics or documentary standards even, much as traditional mathematics is the language for, for the physical sciences to describe things, I would argue and frequently do argue to my own management that um, semantic technology constitutes the mathematics language 
for documentary standards. And uh, if we expect to be able to engineer complex systems on, of information structures, I would argue that is clearly the only way to go. My last slide, slide number 10, tries to pictorially depict the role we feel we can play, which is, I'll just read the sentence down from the top to the bottom, we are developing a virtual manufacturing environment in which we perform rigorous testing on a variety of domain standards used by principal semantic methods. So our, our real role is twofold. In the near term, we are continuously rolling out testing tools, many of which are available on our web pages, uh, the links on the wiki page, um, <clears throat> which people can self-test uh, things like schema quality, naming and design rules, and things like that. Uh, in the longer term, we are also engaging in a lot of research on what we feel the next generation of standards, documentary standards, can be using um, disciplines such as first-order logic. One of the standards coming out of here was um, the process specification language, which Michael Gruninger can claim most of the credit for, um, which does try to axiomatize the notion of discrete processes uh, it is an ISO standard now and is also n embedded uh, beneath, as a foundational uh, theory, if you like, uh, beneath a uh, number of other standards activities such as Swizzle, the semantic web services language, uh, in UML with the action semantics uh, going on there. Um, it provides a nice rigorous foundation upon which now terms are as precisely defined as we know how to make them. And the big uh, advantage is both the rigor of the precision of the definitions and the fact that it's, it's highly computable, lending itself to being reasoned over and all, which I think is a, another necessary component that ontologies bring to bear. So think of us as the testers, uh, uh, sort of a neutral testing laboratory for a lot of this work um, that's going on. Uh, my final note, I guess, is that uh, we are engaged also in the federal enterprise architecture work, as Brand is well aware. We are playing a um, somewhat of a testing role in the DRM, the uh, data reference model for the federal enterprise architecture. And uh, we also have been getting more and more involved in the NHIN and the ONCHIT, which is now, I can't remember the new name for, but some of you, I'm sure, do. Um, for healthcare as well as our traditional manufacturing routes. The problems are all remarkably similar, of course, with trying to get enterprises to share information in a succinct way. Um, that's all I have. Thank you very much, Steve. That was excellent. And yes, we're counting on uh, Steve's group to help us with testing of uh, uh, schemas coming out of the DRM. We're also looking to NCOR to test ontologies that come out of the DRM and both of them to to work together to help us test those artifacts. We have 20 minutes left. We actually had one other person, Mills Davis, but he had a conflict. But there are just a couple things I want to, that I posted way down at the bottom of the page under resources. Can I make a comment on the race talk? Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, just, just uh, something I actually want to make in my own talk. Um, but Ray brought up the, the question of uh, how uh, a lot of communities uh, will shy away from the use of first-order logic because it's, um, it appears to be too complex and perhaps unrelated to the way they express things. Uh, therefore, uh, I believe that we 
really do need some kind of controlled English, at least those of us in the English-speaking community, to express exactly the same thing with exactly the same degree of precision, uh, and yet with a, with a, in, in a way that is far more natural to the people who uh, express that, including the ontologists themselves. And the point I would make is that it would be vastly easier to uh, come to a powerful, controlled English if we did have prior agreement on the, um, the common semantic model, the upper ontology, with, uh, that you can use as a reference for the controlled English. One of the problems with the controlled languages up to now is that they tend to be just formalized, the very small set of relations that exist in formal, on, uh, formal logic, which is maybe a very slight improvement over formal logic, but not much. If you include the ontology, you get much, much closer to ordinary language. Okay. This is Denise. I'd just like to follow up on that question, unless... Did I interrupt? Well, yeah, actually, you hold that thought for a minute. I want to sure. just uh, finish what I was going to say for Mills, and then we can go right into open discussion. If you go down to the very bottom of the wiki page, you'll see that Mills is uh, stepped up to uh, helping NCOR with outreach, and he's got a little template there that he would like to get submissions uh, from. Uh, if you haven't already do that, uh, that would be nice to support him. There also, uh, he discovered a number of new FBIR requests, and I've uh, put a link to them from the Air Force, et cetera, and the Na uh, National Geospatial Intelligence Agency were impressed and encouraged with a number of new FBIRs that are talking about semantic uh, technology and semantic standards. And so those of you that are looking for funding opportunities, uh, call your attention to those FBIRs. And I met with the SBIR program managers uh, several weeks ago. We have a quarterly meeting with them, uh, the SBIR program managers and the local angels and VCs, as we call them, trying to, again, do the matchmaking between those with, particularly in my case, with ideas in the semantic technology, semantic standards areas, and those that are providing funding opportunities for those. That's the last point I wanted to make. Now let's go back to your question and comment, Denise. Um, I was just going to say that um, I think I agree with the idea of having a um, a good, rigorous um, set of, of definitions, basically semantic um, relationships. But the one thing I am very concerned about, and I think I've expressed this before, is that you cannot get to that point by sitting in a room with 30 people and deciding what they might be. Um, the only way you're going to get to that point is by getting into the data and discovering what the actual relationships are in any domain and then trying to work backwards from that. I mean, they end up being grammatical in nature and then working back, say, from verb phrases, characterizing verb phrases as types of relationships. This is where I think we break that hierarchical model. Um, but it is it works when you take it from that point. I hope that made sense. I, I don't have any disagreement with working from uh, domain-specific stuff. I mean, it's critical. No, but, the, but the focus is not necessarily on coming up with a rigorous English model. It's a rigorous, um, almost at the verb phrase level. 
Could I? I, I uh, yeah, I, 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 I probably completely agree, but I'd, I'd love to see specific examples. Uh, oh, it, it, there's, there's no way tons. to discuss this in the abstract. So, so, oh, yeah, we've so, been working at this for ten years. We've got tons of examples. Uh, please, I, pr please pr present them on the on the on talk wiki. Oh yeah, no problem. Could I say something? Sure. Uh, I, I'd like, first of all, to agree with Pat that what we need is the controlled English. And, um, the, 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 the paper in which the OBA relations ontology is expressed, which I sketched very briefly earlier, which is on my website at the very top, is in fact formulated in controlled English. Uh, a controlled English which is equivalent to the corresponding first order logic. So it's a step in the direction that Pat, I think, correctly wants. Um, now, with regard to working from data, I agree absolutely with Denise, and in fact, that was the principal message that I was trying to get across earlier. We, ontologies are no good unless they are about things in reality that we're interested in, like people or diseases or movements of people from one town to another. And that means that our ontologies have to speak to our instance data. However, if you spend 20 years working with instance data and try to mine the relations within those instance data, you're still not going to be able to reason. You'll just have many, many, many instance relations. So what you need are ways of using your instance data in order to control the definitions of your relations for correctness. Only with definitions yes. of relations can you reason, but only with instance data can you work out whether your definitions are correct. Exactly. So what we need is a symbiosis going in both directions. And now, while I have the phone, I want to say something about the, um, the Z3919 uh, document, which was mentioned earlier. I I'm sorry, I didn't pick up the name of the person who in introduced that. Did this is Denise. Uh, did you introduce the Z3919 thing? Yes, yes. So I've, I've looked at it. I I've been fiddling in the background. And... Um, I, I agree that it is an improvement over the, the, the earlier version, but there are still problems with this as a, uh, uh, as a proposed standard. Uh, one problem is that brain and spinal cord, for instance, are de defined as concepts. Now, my brain isn't a concept, and I hope your brain oh, isn't a concept. Actually, though, Barry, that's where we need a very clear different distinction because you're talking about entities, and there's one level of the ontology is entities as okay, what a brain is. But then there is also the concept, good. the name brain. Yeah, but you don't say in example 105 where you describe part-whole relations, <laughs> you don't say that part-whole relations hold between names or concepts. You say that they hold between systems and organs of the body. And similarly, you say that part-whole relations hold between geographic locations. And what it follows from what you say in this eight, I don't, I don't know whether you're the author okay. of this. No, no I'm not. What is said, that Barry, Toronto, for Barry you've only concept. looked at you've only looked at one part of that standard, and the reason I was referencing it yeah. is if you look into what's called your own. See, so you're only looking at hierarchical. Yeah. And, well, I'm and you need at whole relations. Which okay, that's right. My heart. That's right. I, nobody has any disagreement at all with hierarchical relationships. They are very well defined. The, they've been defined for 35 years, maybe even longer. But, but I disagree with you there. I but, think that most of the treatments of hierarchical relations in existing ISO and ANSI standards are treatments not of, of hierarchical relations in reality. They're treatments of hierarchical relations defined rather confusingly about names or concepts. 
If you say that the brain is part of the central nervous system, you're not making a statement about language. You are making a statement about the corresponding entities in reality. That's and fine. similarly, if you say that Toronto is part of Ontario... But the reason that I was raising the standard was not that. Okay, but that's... There is a re Could I finish? Yes, please. Okay, because I think you're, you're bringing us back to a point that's a bit... that's going to confuse everybody. The reason that I was mentioning that standard is because when, the, when other people in the conversation talk about working with the National Health um, Ontology, that is what is represented in that document under the associative relationships. And the change in this standard is essentially that they have broadened those 50 relationships. They have brought those in. I'm not discussing at all whether we're talking about actual re entities in reality or names of things. Okay? But that we is have not crucial confusion. Actually, that is why ontologies in medicine are so confused. Well, I because I have names not and entities are confused together. We have to learn to distinguish between an ontology which describes entities in reality and a thesaurus, yeah. which is about relationships Actually, between names. For somebody who's got their hands very deep in this for the past 10 years, I, I wonder how much work other people who are confused by this are having in actual practical sense, because frankly, it's not a problem for us. We've, we just, we've moved quite far beyond that. Could you provide, uh, we really, really would, could I'd really like, use you examples, in, examples of applications. You know, I, I have requested this from everybody at, at every opportunity, uh, upload to the OnTech wiki, examples of specific applications. I would have to upload my entire information architecture for the well, bank. One application is enough? No, no, no. Ours is entirely integrated into our whole information enterprise architecture. Can you do that? Is that public? It's public, but the point is, I, it's huge. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll handle it. We need no, it. no, you will not. You, I cannot. I cannot upload my entire Oracle data, my, all my Oracle table, tables to you. What part? You're, of it? you're mostly what, what talking. What part of it will illustrate the point? Actually, Denise, we are setting up the COS infrastructure for that very thing. I think uh, most of the time you're talking about toy systems. We're talking about an enterprise architecture that deals with 30 domains. Well, let's pursue this as, a, as an offline conversation, but that's what the CODS is for that, that Peter and Mark Musen have talked about, right. and uh, it's going to be supporting NIH uh, right. and, and, and others. Uh, and, 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 you know, just, just telling us that you've done great stuff, telling us you've done great stuff does not educate us in any way whatsoever. Then we Peter, need examples Patrick, of how to do it. Patrick, um, every time you've had a meeting, you've scheduled it at a time when basically I could not come. Okay, so I'm I'm a little I'm sorry, but I've been giving workshops the same day you're having your meeting. Um, if you'd be happy to come over to the World Bank, I'll show you. Okay, I'll show you. We've had many people over. Thank you. Can I make one suggestion? I've I've also mentioned to Barry four areas where I think uh, four domains where I think we ought to test, and I didn't see that my slides got presented to the NCOR group. Uh, the the content of your slides was presented. Thank you very. Can, can I make a suggestion? Yes. Ontolock is uh, in the planning of a uh, session called uh, Applications and Implementation, uh, which Dwayne Nicole and 
uh, Kurt Conrad uh, co-organizing. Can since both of them are on the call and Denise here here, and they have been trying to solicit uh, real life uh, applications, can we sort of have these two organizers invite you now? Dwayne, Kurt. Yes, um, uh, pending the approval of the uh, revised text I sent to you and Kurt, I'd love to make that public today just to get some uh, some submissions. Do, do you have a date, Dwayne? Uh, December 15th was the date we agreed on, I think, Peter. Uh, Denise, does uh, December 15th work for you? Um, and if it for doesn't... doing what? For, I mean, uh, for joining us in a uh, panel session on applications and implementation. I mean, by far, I mean, you, you've probably done more than most people I know. I'm yeah. happy to share what we've done. Uh, it, 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 could you mark your calendar for the 15th? Same Absolutely. Time. Absolutely. All right, we got our first... Uh... The, the other thing is, we have to work in six languages. We can't just work in English. So we can talk. I can talk about that, too. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, Kurt, Peter, do, did you uh, see the uh, the uh, email I sent out just before the call started? Yeah, Dwayne, I fixed one typo. It's ready to go. <laughs> okay, do you want to send it out to the list then, Kurt? I'll post it. Thank you. Let me just ask, does anybody else have something they want to contribute? Like Walt from NASA, do you have something you want to contribute to the December 15th? Um, I, I think I'm, I'm certainly going to be interested in participating. I think it's okay. This is Jean again. I have a question, not necessarily a specific contribution, but I've been working much more on the uh, implementation side, and I'm trying to think practically uh, in the healthcare space, especially at NIH. Um, and I'm concerned about uh, merging ontologies or using uh, information across ontological spaces. And I was wondering which, especially the uh, first presentation we had, um, talking about uh, work going on at, at uh, NIH. Um, I was going to talk about that in terms of how it will be integrated into things like CA Big and, and how you anticipate it being used. Are you talking about the avian flu ontology pilot that I talked about? Or? Well, that not only that, but other um, other ontologies that, that you all are talking about pulling together. Uh, are you uh, referring to Susanna's presentation? Mm -hmm. It was the presentation on uh, the uh, ontological... Uh, Biomedical ontology? Yeah, C-Bio. Yeah, that's Susie. Right. Are you still here, Susie? I can uh, I can speak for Susie if she's not there, since I'm a part of CBIO also. Great. So can you can you give me your question once again? Well, I'm trying to think about it in, in real concrete terms. Uh, what will it mean for the people in NIH who are pulling together uh, translational um, IT infrastructure? So if they have access to the work that's going on in CBIO, uh, what will it allow them to do that they need to know about? Um, how will they be able to incorporate this work into 
um, infrastructure that they're pulling together across NIH? Yeah, I think that the, the primary focus uh, thus far has been on trying to work out ways of improving uh, uh, existing ontology resources like the gene ontology, which is, of course, used in very many different areas of biomedical research these days. Right. So um, what, we're, what we're doing, which is very similar to the work of NCOR and also to the, uh, uh, the, 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 the other uh, groups, some of the other groups associated with the Ontolog Forum, is to try and develop the method of testing which are the best ways of building and structuring ontologies. And we're going to um, apply these methods to the ontologies within the Oboe Ontology Library, which includes, for instance, the National Cancer Institute Thesaurus. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the NCI is working with us in this respect. Okay. Um, another thing which is worth mentioning, I think, for everybody on this uh, phone call is that the NIH has set aside funds for R01 collaboration projects. And so people who want to be involved with the work of the center are um, invited to apply for such funds. And uh, we're looking, uh, actively looking for collaborators who might be able to uh, apply some of our ideas or work out complementary ideas which would expand the range of what we're trying to do. And, and we have a link, link to that uh, under Pat Cassidy uh, down at the bottom third of the web page who's offered to help coordinate that. Uh, there's a link to his email, which in turn uh, includes a link to the grant uh, grant solicitation page. Uh, yeah, coordinate with respect to um, uh, any of the members of the um, ontology taxonomy group who want, want to, uh, to <coughs> study uh, those by those questions that would relate to our, our concerns, particularly the common semantic model. I want to raise a related issue, not to interrupt the flow here, but uh, as I put on my opening slide, I was impressed with the concerns that uh, Barry Smith expressed at the Encore inauguration about HL7 and the dialogue that started over that. And uh, Mark Wine and I talked about that in the, in the context of HITOP and SciTOP and we're needing your help and, and guidance, uh, particularly from Barry and others, who want to weigh in on this. What, sh what, fine. what should we do with that information? Should we, should we uh, uh, convene a discussion and gather the information and go to Dr. Brailer's office and others and say we have serious concerns about the health ontology work that's uh, going on, particularly in HL7, and we, you need to, need to be more informed about this? So what, what should we do with that information? And, and how could you help us move that forward? Excuse me. Hello, Brand and others. This is Mark Wine. I just came in. I, I guess under the wire. I've been in another meeting, and it sounds interesting here. Sure, Mark. And I, I summarized uh, some things that uh, that you were going to present, and I just was raising an issue that uh, you and I discussed. Very good. I'm listening. Maybe I can say something at this point. Um, as, as Mark surely knows, and as other people may know, the, the British government recently invested $15 billion in a new healthcare infrastructure, which is based in part on HL7. And several of the people who are involved at a high level in um, medical informatics and medical record uh, architectures in England are very concerned about this because they do not think that HL7 is a good tool. 
uh, particularly not version 3 of HL7, which is, uh, has revealed all sorts of problems where it's been applied, for instance, in Sweden. I'm going to England later in the week, in fact, to um, a meeting where we're going to work out a strategy for calling attention to the problems with HL7 in order to avoid um, uh, wastes of billions of dollars. And I don't know whether Mark has anything that, that he, he would say about this, but we will have a strategy in any case by the next few days which will involve yes, yesterday, the United States, but also Australia. Yesterday, I understand here, there was a, a Health Tech Congress meeting uh, in Washington, D.C., and I heard from uh, one of the attendees that Dr. Brailer had the opportunity to speak uh, along with Mr. Granger. And um, there was some interesting comparisons and contrasts there where England has certainly jumped ahead and, and done quite a, a remarkable job at implementing, uh, developing its implementation uh, of the EHR nationwide in, in a rather fast timeline. And I think that there are some important lessons to be learned on this topic that you just mentioned. And I, I would be interested to find out would it be possible for you or someone in your network or community there to uh, provide us with, say, an issues brief, a high-level outline, bullets kind of thing on this issue. I could do that within a few days after the meeting, which is next uh, Thursday and Friday. The, the next high-top meeting is uh, soon after that, uh, scheduled with Brian and, and that group, uh, I think the 22nd of uh, of uh, August 23rd of November. So I will make a note to send you something on the evening of the 18th. I don't know what time that will be in, in the U.S., but in England anyway it will be the evening. So. Uh, please see Brand on that as well. And I think any time we want to discuss that, you might want to bring in Chris Shoot and uh, Pat Gibbons at Mayo because I've talked to both of them about these issues. And yeah, I've talked to Chris well also. That's, that's great. So we want to get get ourselves level set in this, and then we'll talk about a strategy for going forward with that information to Dr. Brailer and all the other people that are uh, funding uh, health ontology. Great. Interesting knowledge sharing and lessons learned opportunity. Yes. Uh, Peter Yim here. I, I have uh, one sort of uh, answer to an earlier uh, request from Brand. Uh, Brand, you mentioned that uh, about Mills' request for people to send in uh, some input about their organizations. Uh, in fact, uh, almost all the panelists today uh, made us uh, send in a, a, a very well-organized uh, uh the profile of their, the communities that they are representing, and uh, people can click on those to look at each of the profiles. I have also assembled that into a, onto a spreadsheet, which is available uh, uh, on on this session page also, and and that could be one input uh, to to Mills' requirement. I just yeah, wanted thank to draw people's attention. Peter, thank you for hurting the cats. <laughs> That's excellent, Peter. I'll call that to Mill's attention. And while I, well, most of you know I, I can't cross over into the procurement area, I can at least tell you that we are uh, inventorying the communities of interest, communities of practice uh, in the government and outside the government 
because it looks like part of the implementation of the federal data reference model will be done done through communities of interest, communities of practice, uh, and, and the funding of them to work on the future phases of the data reference model. So I understand. I understand that work. Uh, if this is what you're referring to, Brand, uh, that's going on at uh, University of Maryland in conjunction with some others, uh, is uh, filtering channeled into the Rio Federation support network, I believe. So that I had not heard about, but uh, yeah, like the reason Mills is not with us today is because he is briefing the the head of the Department of Defense's community of interest that uh, deals with all the metadata, taxonomy, and other issues. Uh, Michael Todd and uh, uh, trying out our data reference model implementation strategy on him, since he leads the largest community of interest in the federal government that we're aware of. Okay, I think uh, we're at the end of the time, and uh, I want to thank you all again for your participation, the discussion. We have some definite things coming out of this to do, the, the new meeting, the next meeting, or a meeting on December 15th, etc. And so I encourage us to keep in contact, and I'd like to do this periodically, like every six months at least, to uh, sync up and make sure we're coordinating, 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 as Barry said. Yeah. This, this is very useful. I will Apologies for uh, not being able to get on sooner. Yeah. I'll be posting the recording of this session uh, before the evening is over. Thank you very much, Peter, and others for uh, supporting us with the recording and the wiki, and thank you all for supporting us by your participation and contributions. And, Brian, thank you for facilitating. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Thank you, yes, thank you. I think Peter needs to do the... Uh, the final wrap-up for the recordings. Thanks, everyone. This is, again, the SciCop Ontolog joint session uh, discussing e-government-related ontology community efforts, differentiation, and synergy. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.